Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, the challenges and opportunities of community health care. A conversation with the new president and CEO of Blanchard Valley Health System, Myron Lewis. Also this morning, nearly two-thirds of Americans have already given up on their resolutions by now. Why so many won't make it past Ditch Day and how you can avoid becoming a victim to it. And if there's any event that should be able to happen online without missing a beat, it's the Consumer Electronics Show. Tech guru Steve Greenberg will join us to recap this year's virtual CES. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Monday, January 18th, 2021. I'm Dave James on the Ohio News Network. Concerns over violent protests at the Ohio State House yesterday faded as armed but peaceful demonstrators were considerably outnumbered by state troopers and the National Guard. ONN's Daniel Barnett reports. More than two dozen protesters, some armed with assault-style rifles and wearing military garb, argued with one another, sometimes with competing bullhorns, about a mix of causes including government overreach and election fraud from noon to shortly after 2 p.m. Governor Mike DeWine said he was pleased with the outcome but stress the state's concerns over protests aren't over. State officials previously said they believe protests could continue at least until Joe Biden's inauguration on Wednesday. In Northeast Ohio, two police officers in Kent are recovering after a shootout with a suspect and a home invasion. Kent Police Lieutenant Michael Lewis confirms that two officers sustained minor injuries after exchanging gunfire with a suspect after a young woman called 911 to report a break-in at her home around 8 a.m. on Saturday. Lewis says the suspect was also shot in the abdomen and will be taken into custody after recovering from surgery. He faces charges of burglary, assaulting police, and more. Since officers were involved, the Ohio Bureau of Criminal Investigation is reviewing that incident. Michael Kelly, ONN News. The Browns lost to Kansas City in the playoffs yesterday, 22-17. Quarterback Baker Mayfield. Trying to find the positive out of it. We're, we're setting a new standard here. Everybody's saying in the locker room, continue to, uh, continue to tell guys that we're going to be back. I'm Dave James on the Ohio News Network. Today is Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Today is also a National Day of Service in honor in honor of the legacy of Dr. King. You do something good for your community or just for your neighbor. National Day of Service, Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Today it is Elementary School Teacher Day. Big salute to the elementary school teachers everywhere doing a yeoman's job every year, but especially this year. Uh, Let's see here. Happy uh, National Gourmet Coffee Day to you today. And it is also uh, National Peking Duck Day. (laughs) So have some Peking Duck with your National Gourmet or your uh, Gourmet Coffee, and you are all set today. National Thesaurus Day today. What is another word for uh, thesaurus? It's the old joke. What's another word for thesaurus? Thesaurus Day. And so today, I guess, would be uh, thesaurus day, would be a day to use a a different word, use unique words in place of everyday common words. Find a... Different ways of saying what you, same things you always say. And it is Winnie the Pooh Day today, celebrated on the birthday of A.A. Milne, the English author who created the popular children's character, which first appeared in a short story on this date in 1925. So, happy Winnie the Pooh Day to you today. So, some of the reasons to celebrate uh, this morning. This is kind of interesting among the first... Things you need to know, the most buzzworthy stories of the day. Obviously, the ongoing pandemic, there has been much discussion about the way we have handled the coronavirus outbreak in this country as compared to other countries around the world. And we are coming up on half a million victims, a half a million fatalities from COVID-19. There's, what, 20, almost 30 million cases that have been diagnosed now, something along those lines. I've lost track. 
but uh, there are a lot of criticism about the way this country has handled the outbreak as compared to other countries. And in many cases, those other countries that have perhaps better contained the outbreak and the numbers are lower have done so by imposing strict lockdowns, uh, stay-at-home orders that are really strictly enforced. I mean, we have stay-at-home orders and you know quarantine, lockdown rules, that kind of thing. But it's not like we have, in most cases, police coming, you know, pounding on doors or arresting people in the streets uh, the way they have in other countries. And some people have said, hey, this is what we need to follow the other country's lead. But consider this. In Switzerland, voters will soon decide on whether to strip the government of its power to impose lockdown rules. Those in favor of removing uh, such authority from the government turned in a petition with 86,000 signatures last week, well above the 50,000 needed to trigger a nationwide vote under the Swiss system of direct democracy. The referendum will be held in June on the COVID-19 Act that was passed last September giving the government their unchecked power to impose indefinite rules to combat the virus. Again, all with a an admirable goal in mind, but at what point do you give the government too much power uh, with the best of intentions? You know that old saying, that the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And a lot of people concerned that that may be what is happening in Switzerland. Christoph Flüger board member of the Friends of the Constitution, the group that led the campaign for the referendum, says, in our opinion, the government is taking advantage of the pandemic to introduce more control and less democracy. Now, critics of the referendum say the pandemic will have ebbed by the time the, voter arri- the vote arrives in June and the legal basis for the COVID-19 Act will have been dissolved. In other words, by the time we vote on it, it's not going to be a big deal anyway. But... There is the principle of the thing. And I just thought this was really interesting because, again, there are a lot of people who are saying, oh, the United States should do what all these other countries have done in order to better control the virus. But in all these other countries, not all these other countries, but in many of these other countries, people are starting to push back against this uh, unchecked, unfettered amount of authority that the government is exercising. And there is something to be said uh, for giving up those freedoms, those liberties, giving the government too much power uh, over our lives, no matter how good the intention. So I thought that was kind of interesting that it is it is not necessarily all wine and roses in uh, those countries uh, that maybe outwardly seem like they're doing better with this pandemic than we are, but in the larger scheme of things, maybe not. So anyway, just thought that was kind of interesting, something worth chewing on this morning to get your day started. Some of the other uh, more interesting stories off the newswire, the first things you need to know, the most buzzworthy stories of the day. The other uh, question in the pandemic has been, obviously, lives have been disrupted. We have found new ways of doing things, going about our daily business, whether it's working from home, shopping more online rather than at brick and mortar stores and so on. Many of these trends are not new necessarily, but perhaps accelerated by the pandemic, how many of these things are going to stick around long after the pandemic is over? How much of a shift in societal norms are we seeing? And how much is just temporary? Well, we'll go back to, like, for example, are people, you're going to see people wearing masks uh, all the time? I, I think some people probably will moving forward, especially when you get into cold and flu season, probably wear masks. Um more so than we ever saw before. But on the other hand, when the lockdown restrictions on uh, big gatherings are lifted, I think we'll see sporting events come back and big music concerts and county fairs and, and things like that. I think I don't think those are going away, but I do think there are going to be some things that change out of this. And apparently, I'm not alone in that thought, The grocery delivery service, Fresh Direct, is predicting that food shopping and cooking habits are going to change, possibly forever. They are out with their annual food trend forecast, 
And uh, they say consumers are likely going to be buying more fresh seafood, premium cuts of meat, and prepared meals in 2021. This is an extension of people ordering produce and other goods online in place of traditional in-person shopping. Because we have seen during the pandemic, people have brought more creativity into the kitchen. And uh, they say that has led to a higher focus on healthy eating, reducing food waste, and that kind of thing. And again, the grocery delivery service, Fresh Direct, in their annual food trend forecast foresee a growing demand for same-day delivery and online grocery shopping in general. The chief merchandising officer of the company, Scott Crawford, says the rapid increase in demand for online grocery and the boom in home cooking squarely aligned with what we believe uh, we have been seeing for quite some time and food experts have been seeing firsthand uh, over the course of last year. It has been accelerated by the pandemic, but again, here is one of those things that has been a trend that has been gaining momentum and because of the pandemic has exploded in popularity. And that is one thing that, yes, they see as continuing after the pandemic is over. So I have to admit, it is kind of kind of nice to be able to, rather than do that weekly grocery shopping chore, it's much easier to just order online and then go pick it up. And if you can get same-day delivery in many larger metropolitan areas, you can do that. And that is even more convenient. But uh, I don't mind going to pick it up. I still feel like a, if I order online and then go in and pick it up, I still, I still feel like I'm supporting brick-and-mortar retail. You know what I mean? Even if I'm ordering online, whether it's groceries or whatever, if I'm ordering ahead and, and going to pick it up, I still feel like I'm supporting... And I guess I am. I guess we're supporting, you know, local retail or what have you, supporting local jobs and so on because we're actually ordering from local stores. But anyway, I just thought that was uh, kind of interesting. It is one of those things that they anticipate will continue long after the pandemic is over. And uh, how about this? A uh, An important story to start your day. If you're just getting out of bed and you're heading out for your morning walk or your morning jog, might want to rethink that. Researchers at the University of Saskatchewan have found that doing a half hour a day of whole body stretching exercises is actually more effective at reducing your blood pressure than going for a brisk walk during the same, uh, it takes the same amount of time. They say that doing both if you're thinking, well, I'll do both, then I'll make it even better. Well, not necessarily. Uh, uh, doing both not necessarily reduce blood pressure by more than just stretching, though it would bring in other general health benefits. Uh, the author of the study, Dr. Phil Chilebeck, says when you stretch your muscles, you're also stretching all the blood vessels that feed into the muscle, including the arteries. And if you reduce the stiffness in your arteries, there's less resistance to blood flow. So long and short of it is, that you can accomplish the same or more benefits just by stretching, which you can do in the comfort of your own home rather than going out for a, for a walk or a jog. I think, and again, this is research from the University of Saskatchewan, I think they just don't want to go out in the cold. And who can blame them on a day like today? So anyway, there you go. Uh, if you need an excuse not to go out in the cold this morning for your morning jog or run, now you have it. You're welcome. There you go, some of the most important things, some of those buzzworthy stories to get your Monday morning started. They say singing can help you remember things, so here's some tips for parents out there during these tough times. Number one. Make sure your kids wash their hands for 20 seconds after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside. Two. Virtual playdates. Social and physical distancing can help save lives. Three. Tell them they're safe and show your love and pride. Yes, we'll get through this together. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Well, the new year begins with new leadership at Blanchard Valley Health System. On the line with us this morning is the new president and CEO of B BBHS, uh, Myron Lewis. Mr. Lewis, thanks very much for uh, taking the time this morning. We certainly appreciate it. 
Um, Great to be here, Chris. I, I guess uh, we should start uh, with just a basic introduction. Talk a little bit about your background and what you bring to the table uh, at the at the helm of, of Blanchard Valley Health System. Yeah, Chris, uh, I've been in healthcare for the past 25 years and have really dedicated my uh, life as a, as a servant leader to try to improve the health of the communities. And Blanchard Valley Health System is a special community. I'm very excited to be here. I'm coming all the way from Michigan, so not very far away. I'm a West Michiganer and uh, certainly uh, really committed to high quality and service. So coming to Blanchard Valley Health System is really a great opportunity to take a strong organization and continue it moving forward long into the future. Well, we won't hold the fact that you're from Michigan uh, against you here uh, in, in Buckeye country, but uh, what 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 uh, attracted you to this uh, particular uh, organization? Yeah, I think two things. One is just the high level of quality and service and care that the, the team provides. It's, you know, it's employees that really make a difference and just a strong sense of ownership of quality care. And the second thing was the community the greater community, uh, and just its ability to work together and collaborate, even in the business world and the not-for-profit world. I think together uh, a community can be stronger, and I think that's a, a secret recipe that the community has is collaboration and working together. So coming to an organization with strong health care and a strong community really gives you a recipe to really drive the highest level of quality. Realizing that you've uh, actually only been officially on the job for what about a week or so uh, now, what do you see as the your vision moving forward for Blanchard Valley Health System? Obviously, as everyone knows, it is the dominant source of healthcare for uh, the community and much of the region. Uh, so, what do you see as the as the vision moving forward? Yeah, Chris, you know, going forward, I think it's really the first step in my role coming in, really just finishing up that first week, is is to, because it is a good system, it's a strong system that provides great care, my role right now in these first few weeks is to observe, uh, listen, and learn. As I do that, I will become more grounded in the community and the operations, and that will really allow us to continue to pivot and drive strategy for the future and make sure we see the needs of the community partner and continue the, really that long journey that we've had for a long time. Certainly there's a lot of things out in the horizon for healthcare um, that we're going to have to address. And, you know, COVID has changed healthcare and 2021 is going to be an interesting year. So we're still going to re- remain vigilant on managing and treating patients with COVID, um, trying to encourage people to get the vaccine and try to make sure that our community has access. So I think those are some of the media things we need to keep our eyes focused on right now that was actually going to be one of the questions uh i i was thinking uh as well just in general uh taking over leadership uh at the helm of any uh health system and and this kind of a transition at this particular point in time in the middle of pandemic uh, i would imagine presents its own set of challenges does it not certainly it brings uh, a challenge to it that you may not normally have but it also is an opportunity to stay focused and on, on something very specific. Uh, and COVID is part of our lives every day as we manage patient care. What the staff do each and every day is so important. So that does allow uh, for, again, focus. And that, that actually kind of not doesn't make it necessarily easier wouldn't be the right word. Um, but you know what you're going to be addressing every, every day from day one. Fair point. Uh, you use those uh, magic words, challenges and opportunities. In the broader sense, what do you see uh, as the, the biggest challenges and the biggest opportunities for community-based healthcare systems such as BVHS? I mean, obviously not one of the uh, the big giants uh, in the uh, it, healthcare these days seems to be dominated nationally by the big giants uh, of the uh, industry. And here we have uh, more of a community-based healthcare system. What challenges and opportunities does that present? Yeah, that Chris, that's a really good question. You know, there are a lot larger systems, but when you look at quality and safety and, and patient experience, Blanchard Valley Health System does an exceptional job. So I think by keeping our focus on that, uh, there's no reason for someone to go to another health system or, or to seek health care elsewhere. So we need to really focus on providing the highest level of quality right here at home 
and using our, our team members and our employees right from here and really to be able to make decisions quicker. Sometimes those large health systems, uh, they, they move real slow and we're more agile and are able to adjust and pivot so we can focus on the community needs. So I think that's really a strength. And because of the, again, the strong history of high quality, we just need to continue that and put that as job number one. Is it something that would fall under the the challenges category, the fact that because the industry is dominated by uh, the the big players, the major players, that quite often uh, legislation, rules, and regulations uh, that that the ind- that is uh, that are targeted at the industry uh, are made with those big systems in mind, but that equally impact smaller community healthcare systems such as BVHS. Yeah, I think uh, my my thought on that is it's really important um, for me to stay engaged at the state level. And, and the national level, mm-hmm. and, and also partnering with other hospitals who are our size around the country to make sure that our voice is really clear. Uh, and I think the uh, Ohio Hospital Association allows for that to happen and is very supportive of that. So I think we're in a good position, and we have a strong voice at the table. As you mentioned, you've taken this first week or so on the job to kind of observe, get to know uh, the the staff and the operations and so on and so forth. Your first impressions and maybe things that you have have seen or or noticed that might otherwise go overlooked or maybe even some things that uh, surprised you one way or the other. I mean, kind of give your first impressions. You know, your first impressions when you walk into a facility and walk the halls, and what really has jumped out to me are are the people. Uh, people saying hi in the hallways, being very welcoming. Even they don't even necessarily know, you know, who I am when I have my mask on and uh, a face shield on or or glasses on. I'm walking through the halls, and just the kindness that you see and the caring, compassion that you see from the staff that makes a big difference. Um, last Friday, I had the opportunity to visit our cancer center, our surgery center, outpatient rehab, meet with some providers and doctors in different facilities and buildings and each and every one of those conversations you realize how each of these individuals come to work every day to make a difference in somebody's lives and it's very important to them and when you feel that in an environment you know you're in a good place again the new president and ceo of blanchard valley health system with us this morning myron lewis uh, we appreciate you taking the time. Certainly welcome to the community. Look forward to uh, speaking with you uh, many times moving forward on issues uh, impacting the community. Thanks very much for the time. Thanks, Chris. of all Americans say that they make New Year's resolutions. 60% of those will have already given up on those resolutions by January 17th, and experts are not surprised. In fact, they have a term for that. It is Ditch Day. And Scott, uh, Dr. Scott Wiener is a graduate of the NYU School of Medicine, board certified by the American Board of Psychiatry and Neurology, with us this morning to talk about how to avoid becoming a victim of Ditch Day. Dr. Wiener, why is it that so many people give up on their resolutions so early into the new year? And do you anticipate that number will be even higher this year, given all the other distractions that we're dealing with? So people really need reinforcement. They need to see progress, some response, um, something to help continue their motivation. And I think it's this lack of progress not seeing something to reinforce them that that causes them to give up pretty quickly. And and as you mentioned, by mid-January, most people have already given up on their resolution. I think this year could be even worse because people are dealing with more stress, but also have uh, a greater lack of availability of, of being able to utilize what they need. For example, if your goal is to be more physically fit, more active, well, going to the gym is not going to happen for a lot of people right now. So you see why why our current state of affairs is definitely playing a role in, in people's lack of success. You mentioned that one of the reasons why people give up is because they don't see immediate results. Is that a more result of unrealistic expectations or people setting unrealistic goals? I think it's a 
little bit of both. Um, we all have the best intentions, and we set out to, to achieve these great outcomes, these big goals. But we need to think about it in much smaller increments, small steps, so to speak. So if we were able to, to set up small goals within the larger ones so that each day we could feel like we accomplished something, it would be much more reinforcing. We could see incremental change, and that would move us along toward the greater change that we all want to achieve. Now, with respect to your specialty in psychiatry and neurology, talk about the role that uh, our personalities and our mental health traits play in our the success or failure of these resolutions. There's an interesting correlation here that probably many people don't really consider. Yeah, so in the world of mental health, we've always looked at external factors, your lifestyle, your environment, your experiences, and how those play a role in affecting you and, and helping you achieve your goals. But recently, we've had science come along that allows us to take a look inside. What's going on biologically that plays a role? And so it's through a greater understanding of, is our biology playing nice? Is it helping us achieve our goal? Or could there be things that hold us back? So you asked about personality, and personality is truthfully just a manifestation of what's going on inside of us, of our biology. And so in working with people, I'll utilize a tool like the mental health map to, to see is there some biological factor that's affecting your personality, that's really preventing you from achieving your goals, and is it something that we can modify? Now, people can actually do this even without me, utilize the test itself as their guide, and there's always the option to still see a doctor to to help get you through the tough part. Now, you talk about this uh, uh, mental health uh, map, and and uh, you could call it the uh, mental health 360. You say there are th- uh, four factors that make up uh, this uh, mental health 360, if you will? Mm-hmm. So we have the three factors that we're, we're familiar with, and that's the external factors, the lifestyle, the environment, and our experiences. It's the genetic factor, the biology that's something new to mental health. And that's where I really want people to focus. So it's not enough to say, I'm, I'm really stressed, I have a lot going on at work, or my kids are, are giving me a lot of stress in my life. But why is that stress affecting me the way it does? Am I not handling it well? Could it be, for example, that I overproduce stress hormone, cortisol, in response to these things that are going on? And that's the sort of thing the mental health map can help you identify. Once we know biologically what's going on, we can then intervene to try to balance things back to the way they should be, and you'll start to see better results. So what can uh, this uh, genetic uh, mental health assessment specifically determine? I mean, what are you looking for that will uh, give you the answers to those questions that you're talking about? Well, another simple example of what the test looks at could be how your sleep patterns affect you. So some people could work the graveyard shift and do just fine. Other people, if they go to bed an hour too late or get an hour too little sleep in a night, it throws their entire day off. And that's actually a genetic predisposition. It's just one example of something that, that you can utilize into changing your lifestyle, the external factor, to help your biology work better. And so how uh, do we get one of these uh, genetic mental health assessments? You said uh, that this is something that, that people can do on their own or largely on their own? Yes. So this year, um, GenoMind came out with a new product called the Mental Health Map, which anybody can go online, go to mentalhealthmap.com, and can actually utilize this test, utilize all the information that comes with it to figure out more about themselves, about their own biology, and then strategies for improving things. Then if they need a little bit more help, Genome might help them find someone like me, a clinician, who can guide them through the process. And where do folks find that again? Mentalhealthmap.com. Okay, uh, so there you go. We'll link up to that on our webpage, a way to maybe learn what's going on that may be holding you back from following through with the best of intentions we start the year with in terms of those New Year's resolutions, there's uh, those new goals uh, for the uh, uh, for 2021. And just as a, as a footnote, uh, just to make sure that we clarify, we used, you know, uh, fitness as one example. I know that's certainly uh, a very popular one, but this really applies to just about uh, any resolution you might make, right? Oh, absolutely. It, fitness isn't the only thing. It's yeah. productivity, how we manage stress, losing weight, all of it. 
the uh, connection between our uh, mental health traits and the role they play uh, in the success or failure of our goals and resolutions. Again, Dr. Scott Wiener, certified by the American Board of Psychiatry and Neurology. Thanks very much for being with us this morning. We appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Let's bring you up to speed on the latest consumer news now. Where do you do your banking? Increasingly, financial services aren't just for banks anymore. A growing number of retailers are getting into the game as well. With that story and more of the week's consumer affairs, here is correspondent Mark Huffman. A trend of retailers offering financial services is expanding. Walmart has announced the creation of a new startup offering a range of services to its customers, many of whom have no bank account. It's collaborating in the venture with Ribbit Capital, the company behind investment platform Robinhood, and the consumer technology platform Credit Karma. Walgreens says it will partner with Synchrony and MasterCard to launch credit cards and a prepaid debit card. The drugstore chain said it is also exploring other financial services. TurboTax says its customers should see their stimulus payments in their bank accounts in the next few days. The process was delayed by what the company said was the effort to speed up the process, resulting in several glitches. In some cases, payments were deposited in the wrong accounts. The COVID-19 pandemic has produced economic hardship, but oddly, many consumers have also gained financial confidence during this time. The KeyBank 2020 Financial Resiliency Survey finds many Americans have increased emergency savings and have more financial awareness. The Food and Drug Administration has broadened a recall of sport mix pet foods following reports of dozens of additional canine deaths. Last week, the agency recalled certain lots of sport mix pet food after finding that the product contained high levels of aflatoxin, which is toxic to pets. Hyundai has expanded its Tucson SUV recall to include an additional 471,000 vehicles. The company says an electrical malfunction has put more of the popular SUVs at risk. The expanded recall now includes 2016 through 2018, as well as some current models. Subaru is recalling nearly 8,000 2020 legacies and outbacks with high-grade and mid-grade multimedia navigation. The August 2020 over-the-air software update may have timed out without completing the installation. That, the company says, could corrupt data and cause the rear-view display to shut off intermittently. I'm Mark Huffman. Learn more at ConsumerAffairs.com. A couple of other product recalls announced in the past week. Belkin is recalling about 2,200 their portable cell phone stands and wireless chargers because a manufacturing defect in the power supply unit could cause the charger part of that to malfunction and overheat, uh, posing a fire and shock hazard. And so those are being recalled. And also... Uh, Sea to Summit, a, an outdoor products company, is recalling more than 16,000 camping pots, stovetop cook pots, because the nylon latch can disengage from the pot and cause the handle on the pot to detach. And that obviously could cause a problem, could burn you, could scald you, drop the pot and all of that. So that would not be good. Uh, those are being recalled. You want more details on those product recalls and more, you can check our webpage. Go to goodmornings.net. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. The odd and unusual side of the news, this broken news report, is brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. The Royal Canadian Mounted Police were called to a highway just outside of Bridgewater, Canada, back a few weeks ago. After getting a motor vehicle complaint, and my goodness, what a complaint this was. They found, when they responded, they found a car parked, straddling the white line, the center, or the uh, uh, side of the road. Uh, the uh, car was missing its front windshield. It also had a hole in the back window, an axe on the back seat, and there was glass all over the highway. They also discovered a man in the front seat with his pants pulled down to his knees. Officers got Trent Lewis out of the vehicle after having him pull up his pants. He then took off on foot 
didn't get far. He was tackled by an officer. The uh, case went to trial recently, and a woman testified that she had driven Mr. Lewis and another man, uh, or she was driving them when he, he freaked out. So he uh, kicked out the windshield, at which point the other man fled, and she decided, I'm not sticking around, just left the car there. She said when she left, though, there was no axe and no hole in the rear window. She didn't know how that happened. Mr. Lewis, for his part, does not remember much either, although he did note that in the days leading up to his arrest, he, he noted that the days leading up to his arrest involved a quart of rum, cocaine, and a four-day house party. He was convicted. <laughs> he was convicted on two charges: drunk driving and fleeing police. I'd say that was a gift. I, th- I think you could probably <laughs> list a whole lot of other charges there as well. So I think he got off. He got off easy. Elsewhere in today's broken news report, definitely the odd and unusual side of the news. A carjacker in Oregon got more than he bargained for when he discovered a small child in the backseat of the SUV he was about to steal over the weekend. So after he after he uh, took the vehicle, he notices the kid, so he drove back to the child's mother and chewed her out for leaving the child unattended before driving off of the vehicle. <laughs> He he still took her vehicle, but he gave her a piece of his mind. What are you doing leaving this kid unattended? He actually lectured the mother for leaving the child in the car and threatened to call police on her (laughs) before fleeing himself. This according to Officer Matt Henderson, who took the report. Um, The mother had reportedly left the car outside the entrance of a meat market with the engine running and the doors unlocked before going inside to uh, pick up some some groceries. A store employee who helped the woman said she was only in the market for a few minutes before the thief began backing the SUV out of its parking space. The thief quickly realized four-year-old child was seated in a booster seat behind him, U-turned in an adjacent parking lot, and returned to the mother to berate her for leaving the child in the car. He orders her to take the kid out of the car, and she does, uh, and then he took off. The suspect is believed to be a man in his 20s or 30s. Uh, Obviously, we're thankful he brought the little one back and had the decency to do that, police say, but he's still wanted for carjacking. (laughs) That's got to be the ultimate indignation. I mean, not that she didn't deserve it for leaving a kid unattended in a running car with the doors unlocked, but still, that's got to be the ultimate indignation to get chewed out by your carjacker for your parenting skills. (laughs) Uh, Let's see here. I I would be hesitant to even report the carjacking. I'd be so embarrassed to have done something so dumb. But anyway, Uh, this is an odd story out of the UK where at the Yardley Cemetery, uh, graves are reportedly caving in due to an infestation of badgers. Uh, The Birmingham City Council confirmed that the badgers have caused significant damage to part of the 64-acre cemetery site, which is now at risk of an entire ground collapse. Some are concerned it might only be a matter of time before some human remains make their way back above ground. Part of the issue is that badgers are protected by law in that country. To remove them, you must have a special license. City Council adds they are working with relevant agencies so that all the graves in the affected area are protected and the situation can be resolved as swiftly as possible. Yikes! Forget zombies. They've got grave-robbing badgers there in the uh, UK. That's crazy. Graves caving in. And finally, in the broken news this morning, this is... uh, The latest viral romance revenge story, a woman named Holly uh, has become something of an internet celebrity on TikTok for her method of revenge against her boyfriend after she caught him cheating. (laughs) She went to his, his apartment and dumped vials of glitter all over the apartment. She threw at least five large bottles of glitter in different colors all over the living room, bedroom, and bathroom. 
If you have ever, I mean, if you have, you know, little kids who have ever played with glitter, you know how impossible it is to get rid of glitter once it's spilled someplace. And she threw it all over his apartment, uploading the video uh, earlier this month after uh, learning about his cheating ways. She set her video to the 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 song Carrie Underwood uh, Carrie Underwood's song Before He Cheats. <laughs> it's the background music. She said it's not his car, it's glitter his everything. The video now has over 21 million views. <laughs> He'll think twice again before he cheats. There you go. That is today's Broken News Report. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Today's Broken News, a service more or less of Hancock County Veteran Services. Take WFIN wherever you go with our updated mobile apps for iPhone and Android. And now you can listen to us on your Alexa device. Get the app at WFIN.com or in the App Store or Google Play. Plus, enable Alexa by searching for WFIN under Skills and you'll soon be saying, Alexa, play 1330 WFIN. And the best part is the apps and skills are absolutely free. On the air at 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. Online at WFIN.com and on your smartphone, tablet, and Alexa devices. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news, the statistics that shape our lives. Which would you rather have? A uh, more vacation time or a pay raise? This has always uh, been an interesting question, but especially right now because so many companies are struggling financially that they can't afford maybe to give pay raises. Maybe it is a little bit easier to just offer some extra vacation time uh, as a, a perk for employees. Now, I know there are quite a few companies that say, hey, I, I can't afford to do either and pay my people not to work any more than I can pay them more to work. But nonetheless, an interesting new uh, one poll survey of 2,000 people finds that a majority, 57%, slim majority, but a majority, would rather get one extra vacation day each month than a pay raise. They specifically said that they would like getting the extra day each month to do personal administrative tasks, like taking care of their bills, making appointments, um, preferring those additional days to a 10% pay increase. And what I thought was interesting about that, because this is what people are saying that they would do with that extra time off. It's not that they're going to knock off, go on an extended vacation or something like that. They just want an extra personal day to take care of the stuff that they've got to do to keep their own household running. And uh, I thought that was significant and also uh, speaks to perhaps the fact that so many companies these days rely on fewer employees to do more work um, because they've had to cut back. And because people are working more, they're finding that it is increasingly difficult to do those everyday mundane things. So this is the personal day that they would like to be able to do that. So that tells me that this is not really necessarily related to the pandemic directly. Um but anyway, I just thought that was uh, kind of interesting. Younger workers more likely to prefer an extra day off each month. And that was a bit surprising. I would have thought maybe older workers would prefer the day off. Younger workers would want the more money because younger workers tend to be lower on the economic scale to begin with. But no, younger workers uh, were more likely to prefer an extra day off each month. 69% of those in Generation Z and 64% of millennials would favor the extra day off. Older workers preferred the pay raise. Um, and I suppose maybe it's because, and again, it was a bit surprising to me, but maybe it's because those older workers have, through years of experience, learned how to better manage you know, all of their responsibilities at work and you know, versus home, and younger workers still struggle with that. Uh, 68% of baby boomers say that they want the pay bump rather than the extra time off. But anyway, I, it was uh, really interesting, this uh, survey 
uh, finding that 57% overall would rather get an extra vacation day each month than a pay raise. So I don't know if you're any more likely to get it, especially given the current business climate, but there you go. So as you know, the all-digital Consumer Electronics Show was held last week, and joining us this morning with a recap of the event is tech guru Steve Greenberg, author of Gadget Nation and host of the YouTube series, What the Heck is That? So, uh, Steve, what were the latest and greatest innovations on display, or or virtually on display, if you will, that uh, consumers can look forward to here? One of the takeaways from this year's show was health and technology. A lot of products in that area. A good example of that is uh, BIOS Skyview Wellness Table Lamp. It's a lamp created by former NASA scientists, and it's the only lamp on the market that gives off the precise same light wavelength as natural sunlight. So this brings the benefits of natural light inside your home or to your workplace, but not only lights up the room, but also supports your well-being by enhancing productivity, alertness, boosting mood, promoting better sleep, and the light rotates through sunrise, daytime, sunset, nighttime modes. And using the free app, you can sync the light to your zip code or personalize it to your day. And I have to add, the sunset's beautiful. And, of course, there's a ton of science behind it, but the actual design of the lamp is just beautiful. Uh, we're all Zooming all the time, and CES is basically a week-long Zoom meeting. Now, to have a good Zoom, you either have to have great lighting, and also you have to have great earbuds. The ones I'm using right now are Soundcore's Liberty Air 2 Pro. Uh, just launched at CES, these earbuds have a number of standout features, including multi-mode active noise-canceling feature, which works great in planes and trains and offices and restaurants. It also has something called transparency, which is sort of the opposite. It allows outside sounds to come in, which is important when you're bike riding. And using a free app and pure note technology, you can actually personalize the sound pro- your sound profile to get the best listening experience. It's got a seven-hour battery life uh, before needing to be recharged, and it comes in four really cool colors, available at bestbuy.com. Pretty cool. Now, as you mentioned, the recurring kind of unofficial theme for this year's show was technology and health. And you saw a lot of ways that tech innovators were looking to take advantage of that and also tech to make life easier at home since we are spending so much more time at home right now. Absolutely. I saw a lot of products having to do with masks and uh, masks with UV lights in them and masks that have... uh, uh, one called Mask Phone, where it has a, a microphone built into the mask. A lot of those uh, features were out there, again, to kind of a quick pivot during the pandemic to find products that fit it. Uh, some other cool products, uh, Lenovo had the world's first foldable PC. So picture a laptop, you remove the keyboard, and then the whole thing is one big screen that you can open up flat and look at, and then when you're done, you can put the keyboard back in it and fold it back up again the ThinkPad X1, and Samsung had Bot Handy, which is a one-armed robot, which is gives you an extra hand around the house. The robot can help put dishes in the dishwasher, help with laundry, even pour you a much-needed glass of wine, which I think we could all use after this year. <laughs> and uh, Trova, I'm holding right here, is a metal lockbox to store your valuables, credit cards, medications. It's a box you can only open with the Bluetooth of your smartphone. And last but not least, I have a work onesie here. It's the world's first and only one-piece business leisure apparel combo. It's got a dress shirt on the top and the bottom is sweatpants all in one. So for it's for the ultimate Zoom meeting, the work onesie. <laughs> so it sounds as though a lot of these companies feel that this new normal is likely to be more than just a short-term thing. I, I think the thinking is that the world's going to move into a hybrid mode of some kind. I don't think we're ever, at least not for a while, going to want to put ourselves into a, a risk situation. So I think masks might become a little bit more popular than they ever were before, not for everyone, but for some people. I think there's going to be a lot less business travel. We'll end up Zooming a whole lot more than we have in the past. And I think working from home is going to be much more common than it was before the pandemic. So I, I, I think yeah. you know, we'll, we'll go back to normal maybe, but we're going to still have some 
some hybrid things from the from this period of time. Now, speaking of Zoom meetings, if there is any group, any organization that should be comfortable with the idea of a virtual event, it would be CES, you would think. How well, I'm curious, uh, your uh, final analysis, how well did they pull it off? How would you grade this year's show? That's a great question. Uh, I mean, you know, you can't really imitate the experience of actually being there, walking around the floor and seeing the booths and talking to people. Uh, one event, I part of CES called Pepcom, did the closest match to that of any company, I've, of any event I've seen. Uh, and it was done very, very well. But generally, the overall show was not so great because there was a lot of just you could only chat, you know, you could only text with some companies, and there's a lot of limitations. And I, but again, there's so many uh, exhibitors and so many people. I guess they had to work with what they, they got. But I, I was, I mean, I was hoping for a little bit more. Again, other than that one event, Pepcom, which I think should be the model for all other trade shows moving forward, uh, I, I think they, they, they I, I'd give them a. B plus or B minus. Pepcom, I've given a solid A to. So the bottom line is you're still looking forward to the time when you can get back to an in-person event where you can kind of see these gadgets interact directly with the technology, hopefully next year. I'm hoping so. I mean, again, it might be some hybrid, it might be a smaller show with a with an online feature to it. I mean, the idea of being back in a convention hall with 175,000 other people doesn't thrill me. So I have to, have to see how they plan to do it moving forward. If they do it in a way where it feels safe and we've all been vaccinated by then, then uh, I'd be very thrilled to be back to the old normal instead of the new normal. Fair enough. Yeah, it's a, a hard uh, experience to really replicate online. Tech guru Steve Greenberg with a postmortem, a recap, if you will, of this year's virtual consumer electronics show. Steve, where do we get more information? Absolutely. You can go check out my blog. Go to... Steve Greenberg, and that's Berg, B-E-R-G, stevegreenberg.tv. Click on my blog, and you can also check out my game show called What the Heck Is That? on YouTube, and you can get there by going to gadgetgameshow.com and click on YouTube. Very good. We will link that up on our webpage. Steve, thanks very much for uh, taking the time. We appreciate it. My pleasure. Take care, stay safe, and happy new year. And that wraps up our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the show. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day at our webpage. Go to goodmornings.net for all of that. Coming up tomorrow on the program, equity and availability of healthcare services has long been an issue in low-income and minority communities. To what extent does that impact America's ability to get control of the coronavirus pandemic? Interesting new study from the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation that we'll get into until tomorrow morning. That is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.